I'm Kimberly C. Palm. As I travel throughout each state, I realize that death is just a moment. It is how we live until that moment that matters. Finding connection with friends, family, and complete strangers. Journey with me. This is the Live Well, Die Well Tour. Well, I'm really excited to have Leslie back on my podcast because we we connected in Los Angeles at really one of the last live events before the pandemic closed us all down. Um, and it was such a an awarding experience there in Los Angeles. And, and we became friends. And I adore you. I absolutely adore you. So I, I welcome you back because... You know, we were we're going to discuss some of the same things that we discussed in the last podcast, but we really want to talk a little bit about the pandemic and how it's affecting your clients and the grieving personal losses. But before we get into that, let's go back and and talk a little bit about how does one arrive at creating the grief recovery method? Well, thank you for that question. And I'm so happy to be with you again too, Kim. It is so good to see your beautiful You too. After all these months. <laughs> The founder of the Grief Recovery Method is one of my favorite gentlemen. John James is a Vietnam vet, a man with a heart of gold, who 40 plus years back with his then wife lost their beloved son three days after his birth. And he was so elated to have this baby. He was looking forward to hopes and dreams and expectations with him when the moment came that he found his wife was pregnant. So the loss of that child was so devastating for him. And as a Vietnam vet, he had a weapon and he was so in despair, he contemplated taking his own life. And then he had an epiphany and he became certain that what he needed to do was write down those hopes and dreams and expectations. He wasn't going to live with his boy. And slowly, he developed a step-by-step program that has emerged as the grief recovery method. What he did at the time is he researched bookstores everywhere to find what to do about his grief. And all he could find were definitions of grief. And when hmm. he's spoken, I know, Kim, when he's spoken in public, he'll say, I knew what I felt. What I wanted to know then is, what the hell should I do about it? What do I do about it? And nothing told him that. So he created this method, and soon grievers were coming to his living room. And then gradually, he left his former business in the building arena and focused his energy on working with grievers. And he felt like he was living his calling. And then one day, Kim, in the San Fernando Valley office at the Grief Recovery Institute, a man walked in by the name of Russell Friedman, the now beloved Russell Friedman. And John laughs when he speaks of Russ and he says, Russ came to me after two divorces and a bankruptcy and he was a volunteer and he never left until 40 years later after he passed on in 2016. So together, these two dedicated men created the Grief Recovery Handbook, which has now been translated into 23 languages around the globe. And the method today is taught not only across states in the U.S., but also in the UK, in Mexico, in Honduras, Scandinavia, 
and in both Australia and New Zealand. And their leadership became such a prominent success with profound respect that they were invited to the Pentagon when we suffered through 9-11 and to assist in that painful aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. Oh, wow. Now, your your title, you're a certified advanced grief recovery specialist, but you are a counselor um, in psychology and you counsel people too, right in Los Angeles. But now your practice is pretty much opened up for Zoom too, correct? Yes. So thanks for that question. I trained first as a grief recovery specialist. And then I knew that what I wanted to do was expand my business across states. So I went back for training in 2019 to become certified and authorized as as an advanced specialist. And now, yes, I have clients across the country. And it is so fulfilling to be able to be on Zoom and be with each of them, especially with what you said earlier, Kim, during this pandemic. So what, yeah, what are you experiencing with some of these? Because I know you know, my tour ended because of the pandemic. I know my own grief, what I experienced of, you know, failing to complete something um, because of a pandemic. And I'm sure that's just the tip of the iceberg. But when people are facing end of life, whether it's COVID or even other things, people can't be with them. What, what are you seeing and, and how can you help us? It is, it is such a unspeakably grieving moment in the nation, not just for my clients walking through a personal loss, but for every person in our nation, every American, the loss of life, the loss of safety and trust and leadership, the loss of jobs, the children who are at home away from their social circle, the stressed out parents who are grieving having to be a parent and a teacher at home and a husband or wife or a single parent doing this on their own, it's an unspeakable time of grief. So on my end, with each of my clients to work with them on a personal loss, each of their losses is exacerbated by what already we're walking through about COVID. And there are more than 40 types of loss that we can endure in a lifetime. And you know, Kim, just for a moment, I want to read just so our listeners can think, because sometimes what we think about Grief is it's about divorce or death. And there are 44 reasons why people can grieve even before this hellacious pandemic. Here are just some. Please, yeah, educate me. (laughs) Business readjustment, living in change in living conditions, change in eating habits, change in frequency of arguments, change in residence, a child leaving home for school when we were pre. COVID, change in family reunions pre-COVID, dismissal from work, which so many people this year have endured with this pandemic, emotional, sexual, physical abuse, personal injury or illness. I could go on. These are all grieving incidents that we can walk through in our lifetime. And you know what? We're, we're really good in the United States about avoiding grief. Yes, we do. We are masters at avoiding speaking about grief. Why? Because in our culture, like you and I have discussed earlier, we sell happy meals. We do not know as a Western culture how to dig deeper and talk about grief and loss. And that happens every day in so many different ways. You know, I think it would be um, 
productive to just talk about the definitions of grief. Please, yes. Grief is a normal and natural reaction to loss. However, what we do in our culture and the way we respond to it is often not normal. It's not natural. And in fact, many times it's unhealthy. Often grief can be described as reaching out for that person we love who's always been there for us. And when they we when we need them one more time, they're no longer there. And so what we do in our culture is since we don't know gracefully how to speak about grief, often what we call grief are euphemisms. Years ago, we called it burnout, overwhelm, stress, or pressure. And underlying any of these terms is sadness and grief. So what the grief recovery method does is it offers a compassionate, short-term action-based program which teaches each griever how to move beyond the isolation and pain of loss. And it offers an emotional toolkit to be able to process pain, whether it's in the now from the pandemic or it's from the past of a lost love or it's in the future with any loss we might incur with a structured plan which deeply supports our mind and our heart. In the initial seven weeks of the program, Kim, We work on one loss, and often what clients discover when they work with me is that they have other losses they have never grieved. Oh, sure. After those seven sessions, they might choose to continue their work with me and choose a package of sessions going forward, and that's how that part works. Well, it it makes sense because I can't have a session with you and feel like you can uncover anything. So it does make this whole grief recovery. You do approach it like here, here you go. Here's seven sessions that we're going to work on, right? Or how many sessions are there? Yes. In the beginning, it's seven sessions and we work with the grief recovery handbook written by John James and Russell Friedman. And we have homework assignments each week. So this is not a uh, process group where we sit and we talk about how we're hurting. And the next week we sit and we talk about how we're hurting again. This is a structured program where we have compassionate heart-to-heart discussion each week. And I give each client homework each week that they finish for the week following and we discuss it. So they're learning each week how to begin to know how to process their own pain. You know, I think everyone in America needs this. Really. I mean, seriously. Because I'm thinking about myself with the loss of this tour, and I'm thinking of people that I care about with losses of relationships. And, you know, sometimes you don't know it's grief until you kind of break through. And, And like, for instance, when I was writing my book, Um, I kept crying every day. And a friend of mine who's a counselor came over and I said, she goes, you look like you've been crying. I'm like, yes. And she goes, I said, I'm writing this book. And she goes, oh gosh, um, you're actually processing your own grief through writing this book. And I never would have said that or thought that. Exactly. How do we get people involved with what you're doing? How do we initiate them to engage with this method by using you via Zoom for these seven sessions? I know there's a price involved, but it's it's a really a counseling session that that is really structured to move you through um, whatever you're dealing with, correct? Yes. Many times, great question. Many times at this point, I have 
clients who are referring their friends because what they've had are epiphanies. They've had transformative emotions from working with me. They have peace of mind and heart that they haven't felt for decades. And when they see a friend of theirs or a loved one of theirs who's hurting, they say to their friend, you know what, why don't you just talk with Leslie? And always, this is a great question, Kim, what I do is I choose to Some clients want to just speak by phone. I really enjoy offering my complimentary consultation by video so that any client can see me and sit back in their living room or wherever they're comfortable and see if we are a good fit for them and them so that they can know that, yes, I want to work with this woman and let's go forward with this plan. And the beauty of finding me has many times to do with what we in the Grief Recovery Institute and in our training call STIRBS. STIRBS are short-term energy-relieving behaviors, which we all practice so that we don't have to deal with the pain that we're feeling. And they might show up in any of the ways that each of your listeners can identify with one of them. Either we restrict our food or we eat too much or we might drink or we might use drugs or we might smoke weed, or we might do sleeping pills. I mean, whatever, whatever. And when the pain is severe enough that we as grievers are such good isolators, we can each have a PhD awarded to us in isolation. When we are hurting badly enough is when we want to reach out for help. So I have people who have found me in many different ways. They might have found me by the Grief Recovery Institute has a list of specialists all over the nation. And I have a few clients who have found me on that listing. I have a few who found me on my Psychology Today profile. And some have found me by Google Ads. And most have found me by referrals from someone who's worked with me and been satisfied with how they feel today. And, and maybe even some podcasts out there too. <laughs> this podcast, which I put on my signature so that each time I send out an email, it will be on it. Oh, yay, yay, yay. So, you know, it's really exciting to hear, um, to meet people where they're at. And sometimes in rural areas, they don't have the resources. Um, but now you can, you can, you're open to them. And, you know, I'm always interested. How did you... How did you get interested in this work, and how did you, how did you evolve and 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 really get deeply connected with the grief recovery system uh, or method? And how how did how did you come to this work? I guess that's a heartbeat of a question for me. Uh, this work truly is my calling, and that is why here we are in the midst of a pandemic, and I have been so personally fulfilled by being with each of my clients because I have in my lifetime personally experienced an inordinate amount of loss. And I have chosen very clearly to turn my own pain into purpose. Most of my life, I've worked in the healing arts and I've worked for 12 years with hospice services, as I've shared with you. And in that work, I worked as a social worker and then the manager of volunteer services, bringing really wonderful volunteers to be with our patients. But what I really wanted to do was work in greater depth. Um, Some personal quick stories are, I was at my late mama's side back in 1996 when she passed. And I cared for my late father before he passed in 2000. My dad 
and I were so very close that although I was with him for 11 days before he died, he waited for me to exit his bedside on that final day. And I am certain mm. that he did not want me present mm. to watch his last breath mm. as my protector daddy. That's an amazing story. Yeah, just so, so close. He gives me messages all the time. I love that. <laughs> I have grieved uh, all of my many aunts and uncles on either side of my parents' families. And unfortunately, I have lost friends to an auto accident, to a plane crash, to suicide, to dementia. And during the 80s, I lived in San Francisco for many years. And I, in the 80s, lost way too many friends to AIDS. Mm, bless you. Thank you. So I really can honestly say in working with each of my clients that I have lived through and I have experienced loss. What I also say is that I will never tell any client, I know how you feel, mm. even if they have experienced a similar death, because I don't know how my clients feel. I only know how I felt with my innumerable losses. And so I listen with an open mind and heart to how they feel. And I teach them not to compare their losses with any other person, because they grieve 100% of each of their own losses. Mm, you're such a beautiful soul. I'm so glad I know you. I love, I love that you show up for people um, and that your experiences have brought you to this crossroads to helping other people with their own grief. But you know, we're I should say I, but I know I'm not the only one. My thing is, why are we so bad at showing up for those that are grieving? I mean, why are we so bad at this? We we don't have training grief and loss in Western culture, we sweep it under the carpet. We sell Happy Meals at McDonald's. Right. I love that analogy, by the way. It's amazing. You know, it's so real for our culture. We are a fast-paced culture. We've slowed down. We've been forced to slow down because of the pandemic. We do not know, nor have we been taught, how to deal gracefully with grief. And with the current tragedy of COVID, now we are looking at such frightening statistics of heightened divorce rate, heightened suicides, heightened homicides, heightened domestic violence. We don't communicate well about sadness and grief. And this is the result. Even, Kim, before COVID, we were having an opioid crisis in our country. The CDC, the Center for Disease Control, was effectively stating that we are losing life expectancy rates before COVID because of the opioid crisis that challenged our country. So we need to be taught how to gracefully say, I'm so sorry, or even not even, I'm so sorry for your loss. One of the things one of my precious trainers has taught me is to ask about when a person dies, tell me more about that person. Tell me about his or her life, as opposed to just, I'm so sorry. Or how about saying, I cannot fathom how you are experiencing this. Tell me more about your loved one. Yeah, you know, usually I was talking to a friend the other day. Her father was just diagnosed. And I was like, I, I, I could not think of anything else to say. It's like, this sucks. This sucks. And there's nothing that I'm going to say that's going to make it less 
sucky, but I'm here and I will keep showing up for you. And even if you want to call me and we just hear each other breathe, I will be here for you no matter what. Um, you know, it's just, I don't, I mean, you can't take, cause I think it's human nature. We want to take that pain away. Yes. And we can't. We can't. But what you just said is so, is so beautiful because your presence is the greatest gift and just being there and even being able to say to another, Bob, I don't even know what to say. I'm here. Just that. Here's a quick personal story, Kim. Please. When I was a little girl of about eight, I adored my petite Russian dance teacher, Fanya Sage. She was four feet, nine inches tall. Her spirit was like six feet. She was my inspiration in grace and dance until I was 15. Every week I was with Fanya, except when she went away for the summer to study then with the icon dancer, Martha Graham in New York every summer. Wow. Okay. This is many, many years ago. And she would pretend, rather, she would return to our classes. And she was relentless with our class. And she would say, pretend like you're being held by a golden cord from the top of your head that stretches to the ceiling and walk tall as you dance across the room. And I adored her. She died when I was in my junior year at Cal Berkeley. My mama, bless her heart, meant well did not tell me of Fanya's death for two more years. When she told me, I was so furious. I had a meltdown with my mother and said, why didn't you tell me? So I could have at least gone to her husband and hugged him and said, I'm here. What can I do for you? Anything. And my mom truly did not know what to say. And she was protective of me. And she probably thought at the time that she was wanting to let time pass so that it would hurt less in her mind's eye. And years later, when I walked through my grief recovery method training, I was able to totally forgive her understanding that she meant no harm. She meant no ill. She just didn't have the words. No one trained her to to be able to deal with grief and loss. Yeah. And you know, you know the story with Rob and, him protecting me and not wanting to 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 see him die and go through that process. You know, it's it is a long journey when you're jolted like that. It is. Uh, and and even throughout the tour, you know, talking about him and and everyone kind of I think in in a romantic sense goes to that story because they want it to be a fairy tale and and um and it's hard to to that long arc of grief is still there for sure. Yes, it is. You know, I would like to just return to better answer your question a moment ago of how we deal with loss and the misinformation that we have as a culture. There are six different myths of misinformation that we have in our Western culture. And I want to just speak briefly about two of them. Yeah, please. And the first is... Don't feel bad. When my late mama was at Century City Hospital in Los Angeles, and we learned that her stroke would forever impact her cognitive ability, I knew from mom's many discussions with me and her DNR, she did not want to be hooked up to any machine. That was her wish. If she couldn't be independent and enjoy the quality of life that was productive by her artistic standards, she didn't want to be here. 
So people would say to me when she passed, Kim, things like, Les, don't feel bad. She's in a better place now. Les, don't feel bad. She didn't want to be hooked up to a ventilator or a feeding tube. And the truth was, I was devastated. I was by her side for 10 days before she passed. I held her hand until she took her last breath. And I was devastated. And people just don't know what to say. So that's what's real about dealing sometimes with loss. How do we get better at that? How do we get better at being there for people who are grieving? Because sometimes I think it's better not to say anything than the wrong thing. We need to be taught. We need to be taught and engage in a program that's sensitive like this is. Because what's true around the world is we are all grievers. We are each grievers. And if we haven't had a loss that's significant yet, unfortunately, we are going to. Many of us as children, our initial loss is first with a pet. In fact, that brings me to my second myth that I want to discuss, which is replace the loss. And again, two years young, and the family pet was Tuffy, a black and white cocker spaniel that had energy like shoot to the stars kind of energy. I adored him. He slept beside me until I was six. At six, he was killed by a passing car. I was inconsolable. When dad came home from a traveling business sales trip and found the news, he came to me and I can close my eyes and see this moment. And he said, baby girl, stop your tears. Don't cry. Don't feel bad. We're going to go to the pound next weekend and we're going to buy you a new puppy. What that meant is, one, he wasn't comfortable with my tears because he wasn't comfortable with his own. Two, stop your tears. Don't feel your feelings. And three, replace the loss. We're going to buy you a new puppy, which he did. Do you think I developed an emotional bond with that next puppy named Rusty? I never could, Kim. I was grieving Tuffy. My heart was broken. And so to take this to an adult level, what about our divorce rate? Our divorce rate is like, what, 50 or more percent? And what do we do about our second marriages? Right. Can we replace the loss of our current partner with someone new. We don't discover the dynamic that we need perhaps to alter for the next round. And we marry again and we divorce again. And so it's in our culture. To replace the loss. That's another huge, huge that that is a light bulb moment for me right there. Because I, I mean, I'm I'm picturing some family members right now. Be that usually, and and some of them are on to their third marriage and and still trying to figure it out. It's like they plug a hole with people. Exactly. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That is ingrained in our culture. We don't know how to, after someone has left our lives, to walk through a process and process the pain and learn how to live with it with grace and then go forward. Is it really, I mean, because, you know, I do it differently and I, and, and I think that I do it not so good, but when I lose something, I have to pay homage. Like I have to give a lot of space for it. And even with dating, you know, I can't jump into another relationship and get the, the, and I believe because I've given so much space, 
um, when I fell in love with someone, they're still in my life. They're still in my life and a part of my life because I won't let them go. It's just a different relationship now. And they're in your heart always. Always. Of what you shared with me, so smart when we first met about Rob, what often is so is, and I will ask this, this is ideal time. I will ask this of every listener who is listening to our podcast. If you have, dear listeners, someone in your life who's no longer in your life due to death, divorce, estrangement, and they haven't been in your life for five, 10, or even 20 years. And when you think of that individual and you still feel searing pain in your heart, I say this is about undelivered communication. Hmm. And the beauty of the grief recovery method is, is it offers a, an emotional toolbox to walk someone through action and time steps so that they can process grief from forever back. And then the memories of that person become, instead of searing pain, become fond memories or warm memories. And that's the beauty of the grief recovery method. I love that. I mean, can you identify something in like yourself that you would need the grief method for? Or do you kind of like like this method? It, I mean, what what is the benefits of of getting into this method for all people, in your opinion? So what why that question touches me deeply in this moment is a month ago. A month ago, my dear friend Norman passed. Norman was married to a very dear girlfriend of mine, whom I have loved, my girlfriend, for 50 years. And Norman and I were friends. Just a lovely, lovely man with a heart of gold and just incredible humor. And the last time when Barbara told me that he had passed, I sat back and through my tears, I remembered our last conversation between Norm and me was about ending with, I love you and I love you as a friend. And yet still, I was so sad about his passing. And because I'm trained as a facilitator and a specialist, I have an emotional toolbox that is mine that I can utilize for my own grief. And that is what I did for myself and walking through certain steps to then feel complete about his loss. Oh, wow. What's beautiful about this toolbox is this is an educational program. This is not therapy, albeit my clients, Kim, will tell me again and again that the therapeutic results that they have are, many are like these. They feel better every morning when they awaken. They have more energy to do their day. They sleep better. They eat a healthier diet. They learn how to communicate in the moment when they're feeling whatever they're feeling instead of stuffing it. They take better self-care every day. They learn how to exercise again. Mm. They feel more resilient about life going forward and they have more peace of mind and heart. And instead of what I just said yet again, instead of thinking about that loved one with searing pain, they begin to be able to remember those lovely memories that were golden with warmth and fond memories instead of heartache. 
So I love that. Those are the results of this methods program. I, I love this method. Now, now, here's a question for you. I mean, can you have grief for someone who's not dead? Like for whom you have to create boundaries in a relationship? You know, like uh, like a unique kind of grief? Absolutely. So what you're asking that's so commonly experienced is sometimes we have to step away from someone who's been in our life due to complete differences in ethics, morals, perhaps even politics, or whatever are the differences between us. And we want to hold this person perhaps in our heart, but we want to create boundaries in walking forward without them. When we take these action steps through the grief recovery program, what we learn is how to release that person with grace. And what we learn is how to speak about and talk about those things that we wish perhaps have been different or better or more with that person, that we had taken steps about such things as what I wish I would have done that had been different, better, or more. And we need to let go of what we wish they had said or done that was different or better or more. And we need to work with a facilitator, a specialist like me, to also let go of those lost hopes and dreams and expectations that this person from whom we're now estranged, we're not going to live those expectations with them. And we need to be at peace with that. And that's what the method can also give to us. I'm loving this method. I'm loving this method. Um, I, I, I really want to dive in and, and really do some self-study because I think the grief recovery method can, can really help me in my life too. And I work in the grief and dying industry. So if, if I feel like I need it, I think, you know, anyone, um, this could be so successfully about getting unstuck and really embracing life for what it is. Now, I know we mentioned this earlier, but how do you offer your work? Because I really Really think this is important to to dive into and and talk to me a little bit about how long the method is again just to recap a little bit before before we leave I offer first a complimentary consultation which I mentioned earlier but I like to offer it on a zoom call if a client a prospective client is comfortable with that just so that we can talk without any fee to them to talk about the beauty of this program and The program is a seven-week program initially. We choose a date and time that's consecutive and the same time each week. Depending on the homework, the session might be an hour or an hour and a half. The client does homework during the week or the next week. And I have chosen over time to offer the program in a concierge-like style. What I mean by that is I know that what's going to come up are conflicting feelings every week about the reading and the emotions of a loss. So if someone needs to reach out to me during the week in between sessions, I welcome that. They can call me, they can email me, they can send me a carrier pigeon, whatever they need to do to contact me. <laughs> I love it. We can, we, can, we can talk between sessions. And then at the usually during the middle of those seven weeks, they might be saying to me, Leslie, you know, this is bringing up my loss of my Aunt Marion. And gosh, I realize I need to work on her too. Then at the end of seven sessions, if they want to continue forward with me, they can, and they can purchase a package of ongoing sessions if they like. 
And if not, they're uh, wonderful with those seven sessions and they've learned a lot to go forward. And they have an emotional toolbox that is theirs for keeps. And they have the handbook, which is part of what I send to them immediately when they register and pay for the program. Wow. Wow. So how how do people get in touch with you? My website is lesliejtolan.com. I'll spell it L-E-S-L-E-I-J-T-O-L-I-N.com. My phone number is 310-570-1337. I'll say it again. 310-570-1337. And if anyone is more comfortable with uh, email, it is simply Leslie J. Tolan, as I just spelled it, at gmail.com. Leslie J. Tolan at gmail.com. What if I wanted to gift this seven sessions to someone? Is that possible? It has happened already. And yes. Because I'm thinking of someone very dear to me. And, and I just think this could help them really, really help them. And, and sometimes I, I, I don't feel people don't know what they don't know until they discover what they, you know, the toolbox that you're giving them. So there is plausible there, there is, there's a way for me to be like, I'm going to give this for a friend. Of course, the friend has to say, yes, I want to do this. You know, it has to be consensual, but, um, but still you, you work with people in that realm as well. Yes. If they want to gift it to someone who is talking with me, understands the program, is willing to do the work. I love that you brought this up because, Kim, this is a simple program. It is not easy. I repeat, it is not emotionally easy. It has steps that bring up conflicting mass of emotions. I get it. And it's normal and natural to feel that way about this program. But the transformative effects are so profound. And Um, What else I can say is if anyone is listening who is a practitioner of any kind in the field, if you have someone who you think you would like to refer to me, writing an email to introduce them to me is a wonderful way and has worked so successfully this year. To introduce them to me by email, Leslie, this is my friend so-and-so, so-and-so, this is Leslie, my uh, specialist friend. And then I can take it from there to continue. Oh, nice, nice. And the last thing, Kim, is on my website, if anyone would like further information in addition to reading my website, there is a ebook download page on my site that has wonderful information of debunking the stages of grief, um, a ebook about postpartum grief, the myths about grief that we began to discuss today, a guide for pet loss, if that's applicable to anyone who has a pet and you have a broken heart about losing a pet. I certainly did when I've lost mine. And um, those are all available as comps on my website. I love that. I love that. And I, I cannot tell you how much I am thrilled that you are in this field because you, you're such a gift and this program and you, you helping people through, especially using this method. 
I, I just feel that people really should reach out because you just never know what's making you stuck. And and just like me with writing my book, I didn't know I was needing to grieve or even thinking about grief, but it comes out in all different ways. And I, I definitely want to think of, of who I could possibly gift this to because I think it's an amazing uh, program. And I'm just, I'm just really lucky to know you. Thank you, Kim. I feel the same way about you, my dear. I am so grateful that someone, a colleague actually, told me a death by design last year. And I was able to make that day to be together. And I was so taken with the day. And remember, afterwards, I walked up to you and I said, I don't know how this can work out, but I want to work with you in some way. You have such beautiful energy. And here we are. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And we we will. Because I was just telling someone earlier that I want to do something this spring after we get through 2020 about how can we begin to start healing and getting on to what is our new normal. And I think that you have a place in in something that we can create together and work work together. So, and you know how I am. I love to work with people I love. So... <laughs> It would be my honor. Thank you, Gary. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time out uh, of your day to help my listeners, uh, educate our listener, my listeners about this grief method, um, making yourself available to, to the, my audience as well as people who are going to pass this podcast on to those who are grieving. Um, you're such a gift to me and, and your clients. And I'm just very, very, very grateful that you're breathing and you're in my life. Thank you, my dear. Namaste. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you're the designer. This podcast is produced by Jason Andre with Seven Season Films. If you're interested in telling your story via podcast, look him up. You can find him at sevenseasonfilms.com.